Jūs prasa sēlā. Ā, hēlā. Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Well, we'll just get right back into that then. Yeah, for sure. You, I can hear myself too. That's weird. Introduce yourself. No, that's good. This is Jeremy Till. You were one of the first affiliates in yeah. Texas, right? Yeah. You know, I don't, I think about that. Where we fall on the line, I mean, I'm pretty certain we might be the first in, or there was affiliate, I always say, there was an affiliate in Austin like five months before us, and then he lasted a year and was out. And so I'm pretty sure it was between us first, and then there was a Houston affiliate um, that came on after us. But yeah, f- we're one of the first 60 in the world. Sure. Um, in 2005, December, this December will be 14 years that my sister Carrie Kepler and I founded CrossFit Central. And y'all still run and operate it? So me and my sister Carrie started CrossFit Central when I was 24. Okay. And I would say she was like, I don't know, like before her 30s, right around there that she was starting. And um, so I was single and um, living in a one-bedroom apartment in Austin. Um, I hadn't done anything to that point. You know, I was working summer strength camps. Um, in the summer in West Texas. And when I moved to Austin, um, I knew I wanted to be in the fitness business in the industry, but I didn't want to do private training sure, because I saw the limitations of what you could do. And with group training, I was already in it and I had experience because I was running groups of 60, you know, junior high athletes or 60 high school athletes in a two hour window at the high school, um, where I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. And so Whenever I was trying to figure out what to do next, boot camps were really popular in Austin. So I saw that as an opportunity to leverage time, grow you know, a group class, and make more income per hour that you're working, just working smarter there. And then uh, my best friend, Lance Cantu, who served as L1 instructor years past this, he was actually in the Marines, and he's the one that introduced me to CrossFit. And I was looking because I was – I was uh, just super on fire to do something, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, Once I saw CrossFit.com and saw what CrossFit was doing, and me and Carrie went to the Level 1 certification in Golden, Colorado in 2005, at that point I was just – I wanted – at that time in my life, I was a young man. I was – wanted a mission. I wanted a purpose, and I was looking – very distinctly, like, what am I going to do with my life that's going to make a difference? And when I found CrossFit, I said, this is it. And that was at 24. That was at 24. Yeah, that's not the stuff I was thinking at 24. <laughs> I was looking for complete other things. It wasn't until I was about 28 or 29 that I was like, man, I'm not about shit. I need to start thinking about what I need to do with my life. You know, it's interesting because I started drinking alcohol when I was like, you know, 13. Yeah. And I started drinking, you know, going to keg parties when I was 16. And from 16 to 18, you know, every weekend I drank. Yeah. And it wasn't out of control. It was really the norm in West Texas to drink. Not much else to do, is there? Yeah. You play sports, you know, chase girls and drink. (laughs) That's, That's what we did. So. When I think about myself, like why at 24 I was where I was, I don't think I was any different other than the fact that I just started younger. Sure. And by the time I was a senior going into college, I was kind of like, you know, I was like, man, I've drank for a long time. I'm kind of like, I'm done drinking. Like, what else is there? Yeah. Uh, what else do I want to do um, than pursuing this? And, um, you know, fitness and health and wellness was always a part of my life. And I'm a very deeply spiritual person too so my faith as a christian has always been a thread in my life so it was kind of like this interweaving of like like what there's more to life by the time i was 18 saying than going to keg parties but it didn't mean i quit going to keg parties like that life because you don't know what else to do sure you're so you're still going out all the time because that's just what everybody's doing. You want to see your friends. Yeah. You got to socialize, especially if you're 18. Yeah. So, you know, I kept doing that life, but it wasn't really my life. And so by the time, 
you know, I got to um, the 24 mark, I de definitely think that I um, was just ready for something to take on, like have a mission and whatnot. And so there was a book I read. Um, so I got really into self-development, um, right? My high school football coach, James Morton, who's the head coach at Eastland right now um, here in Texas, I think they're undefeated right now. His son just committed to Texas Tech University. He's a, a junior. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the state. His dad mentored me, and that was the deal. That was another deal. When he came my junior year, and he was a more of a self-development and a X and his and O's detail, like the basics type of coach. Mm -hmm. He poured into us about self-development and personal growth just as much as being a great football player. And that was my life. Football was my life. And so whatever Coach Morton said, books, any leadership stuff, he was always – we had a leadership council – I was on that, and so I gravitated towards that. And I think that Coach Morton put me on the trajectory. My dad was a farmer. He taught me to work hard because I started working on the farm when I was like 12. And then when I got into powerlifting and football into high school, then the self-development comes. So a lot of blessings and opportunities like were showing up that got me to the point where I was. So kind of like the backstory of like where I showed up at 24 saying, hey, I want to do something impactful. You know, yeah, and that's awesome that you had a coach like that. That was, um, uh, how's the volume? Is it good? It's great. Okay, that you had a coach like that 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 was able to be impactful in a young man's life. Oh yeah, and and I could see how you would you would gravitate towards that in the fitness industry. I mean, because being a coach, being a, a, a I mean, you're a, more of a coach than a trainer in yeah. CrossFit. Um, you have that impact over others, mm -hmm. especially y'all work with a lot of younger athletes, don't you? Well, you know, now it's, it's interesting. Our, you know, so much has changed. I mean, our diversity of client base is, is pretty broad. Um, so I wouldn't say, and then, then young is relative. I don't know if you mean teenagers or high school, college. Do you still work with, like, high school kids? I currently do not. Oh. It's definitely a desire to do more of, uh, but it currently uh, with our adult programs are so busy. Sure. Uh, it's hard to get that focus I get it yeah I mean you would definitely be a guy that a high school kid would look up to and just idolize <laughs> just just throw that in your pocket so you know that that you've got that aura about you I definitely have that calling on my life to work with high school like I, I joke my wife every time like I said I should have been a high school football coach but it definitely wasn't my journey but working like working directly with high school and junior high male athletes uh and in general just Mel's is definitely, I believe, a point in my life will be a big focus. Some of the greatest joy I get is, like, uh, working with other guys, empowering other guys, and being lifted up by other men. I mean, you know, whether it or not, you know, because my dad wasn't around. So, I mean, there was a lot of father hunger that went into that, you know, and so I would seek out that kind of attention from men, mm -hmm. uh, older guys, mentors, whoever it was. And um, uh, that – it, it was what it was, but, but it's, it's also pushed me into my journey to where I'm at. And so now I feel that, um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of working out with other men. Mm -hmm. So I can understand where you're coming from with that aspect. Mm -hmm. So you talk about like your journey and you're 24, you start this gym. And so I've known of you for, and we met probably five six years ago, mm -hmm. you know, just in passing at different competitions. Um, but, you know, you follow people on social media. And so as I've followed you on social media, I've seen you transition from several different ventures mm -hmm. in and out, right, just trying different things. And I get that because I've done the same thing. How have you seen yourself grow, mature, adapt to failure, uh, adapt to success through that process as a 24-year-old young man to a 38 year old the hell do you know yes sir mm -hmm. 38 yeah you know timing is so important um and so i have the skill of seeing trends before they happen and and so it's a gift like i don't know i just have the eye to see what's next and when i saw crossfit 
I knew it was going to change everything. Some people were like, oh, I didn't know. Like, we didn't know how big CrossFit was going to be. Like, I knew it on a gut level that this was going to change everything. And that's why I got in. And when I got in, when you're on a rocket ship and everything's going up, if you have basic leadership management skills and, um, you know, you can bring people together, you can be successful. And, and so for me now being in the industry for 14 years, you know, the dangers of success is believing that you are the catalyst or the creator of it. Nice. Okay. So, so I started, I started out very humble and very servant oriented. And as the success grew, the ego grew. That damn ego. That ego. Yeah. And so from 2005 to 2009, we went from 2005, October, I had 12 boot camp clients. In about 15 months, I had 180. It just exploded because I was energetic. I was out there working, getting people in. I was organized, and it exploded. And then it year, like about month 15, we opened our first, me and Carrie opened our first little 600-square-foot box. And that went from, it took us about 14 months to go from zero to 70 indoor clients. So we had 180, 200 outdoor boot campers. 70 CrossFitters. Now, this is, mind you, 2007 and 8. Nobody knows what CrossFit is. You can't, you just start with PVC pipes and some broken dumbbells and barbells and grow sure. and grow and accumulate. It's not open a $250,000 gym, you know? <laughs> and so we're growing, and then we get our first lease, a 3,500 square foot spot where Carrie currently operates. And that goes from 70 to 200 people in 12 to 14 months. So at this point, in a three-year, you know, from five to eight, and we're competitive in the sport, so we're the top in the sport. We have the top gym, you know, in the country. By 2012, we have 1,000 clients in the city of Austin. We have uh, our core spot has 500 clients in one spot. That's crazy. Yeah. It's 3,500 square feet. I'm very good at managing floor space, systemizing it to operate. We had a satellite spot. We had boot camps, and we had corporate wellness programs. So we were running 1,000. So when you go from 2005 to 2012 and you grow 1,000 members, and pretty much everything you've done to that point has been successful, there's two things we're going on. Is Number one, I always say is uh, I outkicked my coverage. I didn't know what I was doing. I got to the point where I was like, I don't know what to do next. And uh, another uh, uh, coach, I, I just heard him say this. Uh, he teaches the Warriors program. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm blanking. I haven't been through his system. But he talks about cha uh, the chaos of success. And what happens when you get that successful, you have excess money, access, access to money. You have more money than you had when you started. And then you get to start other ventures. And, and so that starts to roll. Then more opportunities come at you, and you, at the time, I didn't upgrade my business skill sets to be able to manage all that was there. And that's when the, the, for my first failure happened when I signed a lease that I could not sign. Um, and that's when I opened my downtown gym. Uh, you know, my business partner at the time, Big Mike, found a spot. It was an enormous lease. It was two acres in downtown Austin. I had that from 2012 to 2017. And my ego said, we'll get in here and get to 500 clients in 12 months, 24 months. But when you don't know marketplace shift, what happened in 2012, CrossFit hit a critical mass and boxes exploded from, we had probably like 40 to 50 boxes in Austin. We jumped to 100 from 2012 to 2014. Yeah. You saw an explosion in gyms. And so what did that mean? It meant that people were no longer, the only reason we had 500 people is people commuted from 20 to 30 minutes out to come train with us. But once all these boxes started opening all in the outskirts of the town, 20 people cut off here, 20 people cut off here. Also downtown Austin, no one lived downtown yet. Today, 2019, everyone's, I mean, the population's exploding downtown. 
And now it's a good time, but now real estate is crazy. Even sure. back then it was crazy. So, so our, we got to about 2014, we got to about 300 clients downtown. But that was just breaking even. So my note, my expense was so high, 300 clients wasn't enough. That's a huge success. But then you start getting inside of your own head. When you got 300 clients, you're not making the money you should be making. You're working your ass off. And you're stagnated and you can't grow, you you start questioning yourself, you start questioning. By 2014 is when I it was I was set up for what I call the you know, it was the perfect storm. We had a gym split. I had a one year old, and uh, I'd been competing in CrossFit for nine years, and my nervous system like by year six, I should have shut it down, but the ego kept, keep training, keep taking pre-workout, keep pushing through when you don't feel like it. God, yeah. So my nervous system was wrecked. I had a one-year-old and I had a gym split and over, overnight, one month, I lost $20,000 in monthly drafts. Boom, gone. And I looked up and I said, I am screwed. And you know what I did? Um, it's so fun to be where I am now because I'm removed from it. Like three years ago, I couldn't even talk about it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I hear you. <laughs> but today I can look back and like um, um, I played the victim. I went into victim. And it, that was the word. That when every, all the demons, all the self, the spiral began when I became the victim. And you give away all your power and ability to change. All of it. And here I am. Yep. And, and once I played the victim, that's when I was spiraling to, to rock bottom. Yeah. And, and when your body, you don't have the physical energy, you don't have the mental energy and you're a victim, you know, it, it's, it's ugly. And, and so I talk about 2015 was the worst year of my life. Pretty dark. The darkest dark now i'm not like you know i'm not i don't take pills or like antidepressants it's just not my thing i'm not against them or what for any personal decision but for me i was just not it's not for me sure and so so i went to the pit of hell on earth and where i was waking up you know in the middle of the night 2 a.m panic attacks paranoia um, cold sweats. I thought I was losing my mind. And to the most part, I was. Sure. <laughs> and, and that's where um, I was crying out, just, just praying to God, saying like, God, anything to relieve this, anything. I need something. And I heard in my spirit, inside of myself, say that all of the answers are inside of you. And it wasn't an audible voice or anything. I just heard that everything you need is inside. Because what I found, what was clear was I was reaching. I was like, whenever you're drowning, we grab our spouses. We grab the bottle. We grab whatever. I, w I didn't go to the bottle because that wasn't part of my life. But I could feel myself. My wife had to separate herself from me emotionally because she couldn't get dragged out because we had a one-year-old. And I was spiraling. And when I heard that, I said, okay, no more self-development. This stuff's not working. No more. I got to figure out what's inside of me. And that's when I went inside. And, and always I say, like, I wished that it would have been the end of it. And, like, boom, the next day was sunny. It was a three-year journey out of hell. And um, I had to pursue, continue. And what happened for me, and I'm a structure systems guy. And so um, what I came up with was I called it the Daily Dozen. What was the 12 things that I had to do every single day to feel accomplished? Because at that point in time, I wanted to quit everything. Yeah. I wanted to run. And a lot of guys run, but I believe they run. They leave their marriage. They go to the bottle. They go to whatever. And, and I didn't have that option. Number one, um, I wanted to get on my lease. For my gym, I want to get out of the gym business. It was the gym business's fault. 
It was my lease downtown's fault. Everything. And so um, I offered my landlord, you know, six figures to buy my lease out so I could get out. He said, no, you're going to live out your term. That was a huge blessing. I said, finish what I started. Um, but it was, it was, I mean, I would show up to my gym when I was in the crux of the worst and I would just, I would, I was paralyzed. I couldn't even go in, but I would have to hump up myself, ramp myself up to go in. And then what happened when I started my daily dozen, you know, making my bed, washing my face, shaving my face, putting on my clothes, working out, eating the food, eating my diet, you know, simple brushing your teeth. Because when you're depressed at that point, and I just was able to. I didn't want to shower. Sure. Like, it would be the end of the night, and I'd be like, I don't even want to shower. What's the point? What's, I would sleep in my clothes that I would go and wake up and roll in to go train the next morning in because I didn't want to do it. That was a short stint until, like, you can't do this, you know? And, uh, wow, that, that raises up crazy emotions. But, yeah, like, that was, that was the darkness of 2015. That was the darkness that I was experiencing. But what got in my mind, the mantra is like, don't quit. You cannot quit. Um, the landlord wouldn't let me quit. So I had to lean in and lean in. And, and, uh, and so it's like by 2015, uh, we got through that year. I had to sell my house. I, I didn't, I look back at it. I didn't have to. I was punishing myself, playing the victim. Yeah. I didn't have to sell my house. But I did. I was talking to my wife. I was like, I could have worked out some deals and arrangements to keep it, and we would have been good. But my mental and me being the victim, I punched myself. I had to sell my house, so we sold it. We moved into a rental property. Uh, you know that helped cover our expenses for keeping the gym afloat, and um, that was another failure I put on my you know list. And and I was like, oh, we got to sell, and and all this victimhood, and and so we got out of 2015. And 2016 was really a year of, of getting back. And that's when I got – say, I got to figure this out. And I got introduced to Wim Hof, who is uh, breathing in the cold exposure. Yeah. So I looked at him in the, in the fall of 15. I was looking at his videos saying it was crazy on Vice.com, his documentary. And then in, in the, roughly about March, I weighed the most I've ever weighed. I quit doing CrossFit. 2015 regionals was the last regionals I did. I said I was going to take three months off. I ended up taking a year because I couldn't get back to training. I had to ride my bike around the lake because that's all the intensity I could do. Sure, I get that. And um, – and, and then uh, one of my coaches signed up for the course, the 10-week course with Wim Hof and said, hey, I signed up. You owe me 50 bucks. We'll split it between four of us guys. Let's do this program. So I said, all right, let's do it, the online course. So I started doing his breathing techniques, and I started studying what breath does to the nervous system and what it does for the, the fight or flight. And this is, this is the, really what gets me jacked, especially for guys, the tools of what breathing does for the body. Because the nervous system and the fight or flight and rest and recovery is driving our lives. And when I got into the science of understanding the autonomic nervous system and understanding what Wim Hof does for the nervous system and for reparative, regenerative recovery, um, A, I got hooked and I started to get relief from the depression and the anxiety and the fear and cold exposure they used to practice 100 years ago the subscription for depression was cold exposure uh, when Wim Hof came into cold exposure when his wife died or killed herself and he went to put himself in the water because it was his merciless friend you know and so getting in the cold started to get my mind right and my body right and uh, that's when I started my podcast and I started to get grounding and going, wow, there's power in breathing. And when we start to learn about breathing and all this stuff that it impacts for posture and the way that we carry our shoulders, our diaphragm, our lungs, um, that I learned, like I've been through all of Tony Robbins' course, self-development, and, and learn about peak state. I started to understand how your physiology, how cell phones, how you know, all this stuff is impacting us. And I was like, holy smokes, this is this is could change so many people's lives. And Wim Hof is his program's course of his exploded. Um, and I got to go train with Brian McKenzie at the time was with Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. And we went out to do um, their um, XPT course. Yeah. 
we trained with Laird and Gabby, and I was like, wow, this is these guys are on another level. So we got the sauna, we got the ice machines, we started doing their training. Started doing that, and by 2016, my gym stabilized. Uh, my other sister came on and started my business operation manager, started managing the financials of the gym and helped us to stabilize. We got the clients in. And then in 2017 uh, was our last year on the lease. So I lived out the journey, stabilized the gym. And then where the next bridge, the jump was in 2017 to 18 was, I, I can get out of this life. I can move on. And, you know, I w at this point in time, my, my prayer life, like figuring out what God was speaking to me about what to do next. I was prayerful about it, saying, like, God, should I stay in this fitness thing? And, and me and my wife in discussion just came to the conclusion that this is who we are. This is our lifestyle. And, and this location showed up that we're currently in in downtown. December will be two years, uh, two miles west of our downtown location opened up and it was a perfect fit. Um, the overhead was half of what our other gym was. We had 5,000 square feet we could move in. But at the same time, it was a risk. Will this succeed? You know, and, and, and at the end of the day, I took the plunge and chose to pursue it. And uh, man, and it's going gangbusters. Let me ask you about the feeling when you got to the end of that lease that you were trying to get out of. When you realize that you made it to the end, yeah, how'd that feel? You know, it was—I mean, it was definitely this, this like this is over. It was a—it was a a major transition for me to let go my yeah, a certain part of my ego and my life to turn a new page. So it's so such a relief to say. I, Number one, I made it through. I don't think I fully celebrated it because I still knew I wasn't 100%. But it was just like a turning. Like right now, like that building is a hole in the ground because they're building a um, condo on it. And I go and I'll run by it and do my gratitudes and like thank for where that place put me because I, I'm going to move. I'm moving on from that. So just to answer your question, like it, it was a turning of a page. Sure. No question asked, but I knew it wasn't over. Yeah, yeah. Um, because w I get words, man, and so I'm really big on words. And and what I felt like in my spirit, and I talk about in my inner man, I heard obedience, discipline, and frequency. Those are three words that were really big on me to be obedient to myself, be obedient to God, be obedient to my wife, uh, be disciplined in all things. Um, and, and do it every day, every day. And so that was just, I was on that drumbeat, drumbeat of doing it. So that's where I was moving into our new location, but I wasn't out of the woods because I still had debt that I needed to pay off. And it didn't mean again, I turned the page and everything was hunky dory. It took me about, it took about 12 months in our new spot. Just like things started clicking and the location is amazing. And our clients are amazing. And so many people, again, now my, the hubris, the ego, like, why is the gym exploding? Well, Austin's exploding. So my ego would be like, dude, you're the man. I'm like, now we do have, we, I'm going to pat myself on the back. We have great systems. We have a great community. We have, a, but Austin's exploding. So we have a, we're in a great spot. Well, and you're experienced. Right. I mean, you've seen what happens when you, when you get ahead of yourself. Yeah. And then, it, I mean, you, you've, the only way to gain experience is by experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look back at my business and I'm like, God, I don't think, you know, in the first couple of years, I was just wishing for that giant hunk of money. So all the, all the pain would go away. And yep. so I could have a paycheck and, and I wouldn't, um, I'm so glad I didn't get it because where I'm at now, it allows me to look at things detached and 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 make smarter decisions about things and absolutely. and realize it doesn't have anything to do with me mm -hmm. yep so yep absolutely well go, keep going man I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah for sure you know so so it's kind of what what i get again is um i had shared with you prior before we got started was talking about the mayhem mindset and working with jim hensel 
and putting a group of men around me. And now, so, you know, I go to uh, a Bible study group on Wednesday mornings with a group of men. Um, I have a group of men. And that was the shift for me. I was the Lone Ranger for the longest time. I would tell you, like, you know, I had my party friends early on, and they're still my friends, and we still are connected. And, and what I had to transition as I was becoming a man, and it's funny, I mean, I was just a boy for so long in my life, all the way up until, like, I hit rock bottom that I had to pivot to really become a man. And I would honestly say only in the last two years would I say that I've turned, like, becoming a man. I can say right now I'm more man today than I was in any time of my life. And I know that what's next as taking responsibility um, and being a man and, and doing the right thing is, is all in front of me, you know, in the next steps. But uh, you're talking about the pursuit. So, so that's another word that has gotten become very strong. When I started to partner uh, up with Jim with the Mayhem Mindset, a little background on Jim was uh, or is Rich Froning and Mayhem, Team Mayhem Freedom's uh, mindset coach. He works directly with Rich Froning and their team on their mindset. I met him a year and a half ago. They were out speaking at a leadership conference, and Rich came to the gym and trained, and, and Jim was there. and uh, got to become friends with Jim and hear him speak. Um, I invited him to come and speak at the Fittest Experience this past year. I went out to Mayhem this past summer and was working on a project. I have a device I was showing Rich, and, and I got to observe what they were doing at the barn in, in Cookville. And I'm telling you, if you get an opportunity to be in the barn in Cookville, you'll see a reality, and you'll understand why Rich Froning is who he is and his people are the way that they are. It's, it's another world, man, and it's amazing. And, and when I, Jim has his courses he runs, said, Jim, I, I think I'm going to take on your 11-week mayhem mindset, man. I'm ready to just sign up and do it. So that was about three months ago, uh, maybe four months ago, that uh, I got into his program. And his program is all around the game, the mayhem mindset game of developing your core values, your I am statement, and your belief statement to fully establish who you are and who you're being in your space. And, and the words are the most powerful aspect of how you're defining your core values. Like I've never seen the way that he does it. It's not a program. He masterminded over 20 years out of his own breakdown, his own failure, you know, his own breakdown of a failed marriage and all that stuff, how he created the curriculum. So it's unique to what that program is. And for me, what it did was he, in the week seven of the program, we just kept going on this thing where I was living my life out of um, what we coined the phrase um, chaos management. And before chaos management, it was winging it. So I'm the master. It's actually a skill that we coined chaos management. I can manage chaos. If something hits the fan at the fittest experience, our obstacles race guy doesn't make the obstacles, we transition. Easy. No big deal for me. I get – I rise to the occasion. But I was living my life out of winging it. I wasn't being planned, organized, and detailed. I wasn't structuring in a way that would not. Now, I was to a degree. So Jeremy, be good to yourself. Like, okay, yeah, I was to a level. But it was just enough. And by week seven, when we did the challenge on integrity, it just came up like a ton of bricks that, like, I'm skating around, winging it, by the seat of my pants, showing up because I'm good enough to do it at the moment. And when that hit me like a ton of bricks, I said, this is a blind spot and this is a glass ceiling for me. I have 300 clients at my downtown gym because I'm winging it. We do not have the systems to support something bigger. And, you know, I'm not trying to open up more gyms. I've done that. So it's what's next. How do we drive this to the next level with the fittest experience? It's hit a glass ceiling. It can't grow outside of my skill sets because I'm not organized enough. And once I got that reality, I got another aspect of uh, an escape. So, you know, as men, we find distractions 
all the time. And we look at it if it's if it's alcohol, if it's pornography. And mine is so I'm on the flip side. I don't I don't have a pornography issue. I don't have an alcohol issue. I rarely drink. My issue is self development. So if I'm listening, I'm doing a podcast right now. If I'm listening to a podcast, I'm in a good spot. If I'm got the next idea, I'm in the good spot because I'm developed myself. But what I learned was this was actually making me inconsistent because I was listening to the next best idea, the next best idea, and it would get me motivated, and then it would go away. Mm-hmm. And through this program, what I realized for me to be consistent, my core values had to come from that. Just like I heard in my spirit four years earlier is it's inside of you. So we're stimulated. I was stimulated for so many years by David Goggins, which is great. But if you don't know who you are, you as a person can be driven off a cliff. So many they you don't sleep. You're driving. You're grinding. You're working too hard. You, you'll burn out just like me. But when you know who you are, it's easy to make decisions. Easy. It's easy to take care of yourself too. It's easy to say, fellas, I'm not going to work out today. No, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. You can lift it. I'm not going to today. Absolutely. No, and, and I did the same thing for years, just more pre-workout, more coffee, less sleep, you know, <laughs> burning it on both ends. I got an idea. I'll start another company. This one's failing, so let me start another one and let that one fail too. And then just the stress and just doing all the things. And eventually you, you don't even have the energy to wing it anymore. Absolutely. It's just, you just don't care. There were times in my business when you could have been holding a pistol to my head and said, Ryan, if you don't do that paperwork or if you don't do this project, you're going to go bankrupt. You're going to lose everything. And I still would just be like, all right, whatever, man. You know, because you're just so defeated. Like there's just, there's just your spirit, your emotions, your, your, your CNS, everything is just done. And it took me forever to get out of that. Yep. And I still have residuals from that. Yep. I mean, you know, there's still a lot of chronic fatigue I fight and things. And, but I've learned to listen to my body and listen to that fatigue. And when my other buddies at the gym are, are doing whatever, if they're doing the open or if they're working out or, you know, it's, it's whatever they're doing for me to just, no, nah, man, I'm just going to roll out today. Yep. You know, because my ego, dro- I was driven by my, I'm, I'm still driven by my ago. I mean, we all are, but it was, it was loud. And it's getting quieter. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I've got a very patient, loving, understanding, and, and, and level wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, my relationship with my wife, if, if I, I mean, uh, um, not to make her a higher power or anything, but you know, she was the anchor a lot of times, you know, the lighthouse. Yeah. Because I can be driven by passion and emotion and fear and all the things that you just described. I can get so lost in the sauce. And not see the forest through the trees and just just be gone. And then the same thing like you were talking about. You get motivated and you move on to something else. And then I'm going to do something. This is what's going to fix me. You know, one minute it's um, I'm going to take this supplement or I'm going to take this hormone or I'm going to do this or I need to meditate or cold therapy or cold showers or whatever it is. And when it quits, nothing works. Mm-hmm. You start getting really hopeless and helpless. Yep. And that happened to me and to where you just end up into an emotional, physical bankruptcy. That's real hard to get out of. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I would definitely say I've committed the last like four to five years to figuring out. And I, and I do believe that, um, I'm, uh, you know, even like CrossFit, I learned through my own experience and I do believe that some point I will deliver this to people. Uh, but what you're talking about, this is where I've gone into the science. And that was another thing. I was a very surface oriented person for so long. I wasn't going deep. And that's a new commitment I have is to go deep. And so once I learned about Wim Hof and started learning about the nervous system and started learning about inflammation and recovery, and it really drove me to cellular health and understanding on a cellular level what our body is doing and how to strengthen the mitochondria and how to energize the body and create vitality from a gut, heart, and brain level. And so um, I have a certification in heart math, uh, which is all orchestrated towards the study of the heart and the way that the heart works, not from an organ standpoint, but an electrical magnetic field and how our hearts function. The heart math has been around for over 25 years 
studying the impact of the heart and they show how the megahertz of the heart impact the field that surrounds us. Um, how our gut also is a, is a thinking process because when you think about your gut level, you think about thought from a gut level from the heart and the brain. These are actually what are considered data centers that are encoding, outcoding data in the field, in the environment. And it can be measured by electrical tools. And um, I've studied that. Um, I also have a pulse electromagnetic field device at my gym that, and in my house that I use. It's called PEMP. Um, you got to come and do it. Um, I invite you to come over. So this drives, it converts electrical current from alternating current from the wall, converts it into direct current. That's what our body runs off of, direct current electricity in our cells. And it converts it through a conduit that delivers the direct current into your cells. It does it in a pulsation, um, you know, and it puts it into the cell, charging your body's vitality. Um, it is uh, FDA approved for um, bone growth stimulation because it can grow bone marrow where uh, the bone needs electrical current to grow. Um, so it will cut in half on certain individuals the time it takes for a fracture to take to heal. It's also FDA, let's say it's FDA approved for um, in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s for um, depression. Uh, it is a very powerful, I believe, like I got a part of those guys uh, about a year and a half ago. These great things, I started studying this, came into my life. Um, a lot of, you know, biohackers like uh, Bulletproof um, at their labs, they have um, the, the device, the pulse centers device. Um, so I have that. Uh, CBD has been transformational for me. Um, uh, doing breath. And so what I've been doing is creating systems that work to get me back to where I am now um, and, and being present and all that. Then continuing to pursue mentorship. And um, so I so really breaking it down, um, I've created and I'm really creating curriculum right now. I don't know again when it will be delivered to society, but um, phase, level one is, is breath. Breathing practice is vital for health. Uh, number two is water exposure and consumption. When you expose yourself to cold water and you expose yourself to steam, and when you drink fluids, water, you're detoxifying the system. Getting CO2 out, sweating it out, and then drinking and purifying the body. Three is nutrition, high-quality, organic, natural food, as best as you possibly can consume, non-packaged. You know? and, um, and fourth is exercise. Moving the body, relatively high intensities for yourself, functional, hopefully, you know, or not, just moving, strengthening. And, and then five is these um, other augmentations, supplementation, PEMF, um, biomodulation, red light therapy. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, got the Juve light. Got the Juve light at the house. Um, and CBD, uh, vitamin C, um, and all these – Fifth, they're not, they're not mandated, but they, they, they drastically speed up the process. And so uh, when I look at all that, and then we have our inputs. What's going in your eyes? What's going in your ears? What's going in your mouth? Like what are you consuming? And we must safeguard these ports of entry. And it, every man's different. So there's not a one catch-all. But whatever we're consuming, it is impacting our our mind it's impacting our neural pathways and so we have to be conscious about what we're consuming um, and so now i'm just is i'm very intentional and aware especially now with children with a seven-year-old and a soon-to-be four-year-old i'm also helping to be their regulators of what's coming in their eyes and ears or giving them the tools to process what they are getting in you know and so we're living examples and now as my son's moved from six to seven, I'm now starting to verbally teach him the skill sets necessary to navigate the constant change of society, you know, at a seven-year-old level. But they're getting bombarded, you know, like nobody else. So um, this is all the concepts that, like, I've been uh, – and that's where my mindset is with these struggles have been uh, – it, it's been a gift. And, and I really learned – that perception, the, the paradox of perception is really radical in the sense that everything that the world says, you really need to question the opposite. 
you know, and, and whenever we hear more is better, you, we need to question and, and we need to observe and we need to really think about because yeah, bigger, better, faster, stronger. That was my mantra, <laughs> you know, let's go a hundred miles an hour. Let's run it and go it, you know, at certain points in life. And again, I'm not a, well, that's all bad. No, there's a time and a place. They're massive action, time and place. You cannot take those. And I think my, my becoming a man, being responsible is looking at my toolbox, being conscious enough to be able to know what tool I'm going to use and when. And I think that becomes the diversified man that can be wise and, and, as he ages. Yeah, if you only use one tool, if you only know bigger, stronger, faster, if that doesn't work, use a bigger crowbar. <laughs> you continue to use that through life and then you, your relationship starts to suffer. I mean, what you could get away with in your twenties and thirties, you can't seem to get away with as you approach 40. You know, I just turned 39 and the, the pivot for me has been relationships. Like, um, you know, I'm told I'm a pretty intense guy and that can be intimidating and, and, my response to that is, but I'm not trying to be, you know, you're just misreading me. Like, therefore I have no, nothing else to do. You know, it's all your fault. And, and I'm a victim of your, whatever your prejudice, instead of thinking, wow, I need to look at how I come across to the world because I'm here playing an active role in it. So maybe it's time for me to shift how I'm showing up mm. because it worked for so long but it's not working for me anymore. And then what that's allowed me to do is look back at all these relationships and all these situations and, and different things that, that I either allowed to blow up or I blew up or that, that, that opportunities to where I got in my own way, where my ego got in the way to where if I would have just kind of used a different tool, mm -hmm. you know, went through life a little softer, kinder, gentler, mm. and didn't have to be such a bear things would have turned out so much different. So now I see that with my daughter, you know, with my daughter's mom, with, I mean, those are big growth opportunities. I mean, I call them FGOs. It's just the areas. I mean, it's just somewhere where you can grow, you know, and, um, that's, that's one thing that I'm focusing on now is to not be such a brute about everything because when you use that one tool, you burn out. I mean, it just happens like the guys like David Goggins and, and just keep going and just quit being a bitch and just keep going that that works in some applications. But if you do that for so long, you're just going to burn out. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, David, you know, we, I got the opportunity to interview him at the fittest experience, which was amazing. But when you really look at David's story, you, you know, social media can really capture a certain aspect of what that is. Sure. And we lay it on. But like, you know, you always hear like we, I did a 30 K, uh, like a four weeks before I, I interviewed him, like get my mindset ready. And when you hear a story, it's like, oh, well, if you walk, you're a bitch. But like, if you hear David, like he'll do Ironmans and he walks half the run and you're going like, oh, he's like, oh, I got lost, but he never, he didn't quit. Yeah. And, and so, and then he, he talks about like, he, he, um, you know, got so tight. His psoas was so tight. He could barely stand up. So he had to take off two years and stretch, you know? And it's like, and, and so it's like, but we don't focus on the two years he took off. We're just hard on ourselves because we're taking a break or something like that. And you're just watching his Instagram story of him saying the things instead of seeing the whole picture. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I'm not, I don't think he's trying to hide that at all. And, and just to be clear, like he's transparent about it. We just don't focus on that he walked during the 100-mile race. We're only focused on he did a 100-mile race like eight weeks in a row. Uh, but what else was going on in between there? He took a week off. He did this, and which is an extraordinary feat to say the least. Um, I'm not taking anything away, but I think we need to get reality around what these superheroes that we're making out to be and get that they also have breaks and downtimes and all that as well well and you know like i think his biggest superpower is that he just doesn't give himself any excuses you know he doesn't because that's that's that mindset thing you can start fighting against yourself yeah man i'm tired today i didn't get enough sleep you know i, I trained a lot last week it'd be all right if i just 
didn't do that last round or if I just quit halfway through the race. It seems like he doesn't give himself that option. Like in the last race he did, he got – he started getting sick and they, they, they DQ'd him for medical reasons, right, because he had to go to the hospital. And then he came back and finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. I heard that. I haven't – I didn't look into it. Uh, I'm actually on a uh, fast from content right now in the month. For Sober October, I know a lot of like Joe Rogan and those guys are doing. For my Sober October, I uh, quit listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, so I'm a little bit out of the loop. Sure. Uh, I want to quit being influenced by outside sources for the month, and so I just cut them all off. Um, but that's a, that's a hell of a practice. Man, the first three days, I mean, like you talk, see, that's kind of like the deal. Like, um, every time I got in the car, I threw on my ear pods and I was on a podcast I was listening to. I was looking at a YouTube video to listen to it, to get education or something. And it was that distraction. And like the first three days I'm reaching for my phone, reaching for like, a uh, and so I drive, I'm not listening to the radio either. Um, and what has happened slowly, but surely the clarity the when I'm driving, the idea pop in my mind that would have never been there because I was distracted. These thoughts, these business concepts, these like I'm like, wow, that's a good idea. And I was like, if I was listening to the radio, it wouldn't come in my mind. And, and like I'm three weeks into it, we are really excited. Me and my wife are celebrating our ten year anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, we October second was our anniversary. We we're going to Costa Rica on Wednesday. And we're going to be there for eight days in the jungles and like getting to go to waterfalls and all this stuff. And I've been and I'll be like kind of coming into that already clear. So I'm super excited just to like take in a lot of stuff while I'm there. I don't know what it's going to be like, but have you never been to Costa Rica. I've never been. We've been to Mexico tons of time, but this will be our first time to Costa Rica. I love it. I mean, it's a fantastic place. Yeah, that's uh, what I keep hearing. It's it's just it's so beautiful. I mean, it's just in the culture and the people are friendly and I mean, driving there is a little tricky, but it's a, uh, and the food's amazing. <laughs> that's 10 years. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say that too about your wife. For me, why, I, you know, I, when I chose, and I say this very specifically, like I chose to marry Lisa. She was not my natural fit. Um, I would have married a much more nurturing you know, again, not taking away from Lisa, much more like my mom, like a much more supportive type of wife. Sure. I chose to marry Lisa. Lisa is a alpha, go-getter, competitive woman. And she, um, we, well, I used to joke when we both competed for CrossFit, and we were like two pit bulls, alpha pit bulls, and we were trying to get each to submit. And we were constantly, if it was competition season, we were like, we had to manage ourselves so we could live in the same house. And it was horrible. <laughs> but it's like, that's what we did for years. And, and it took, I mean, it took us, I mean, the first seven years of marriage was the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Um, from just the relationship, then the outside impacts of business, then having kids. But I would say really, you know, by pursuit, self-development, learning, like we do like the five love languages, personality profiles, understanding like how each other functions and works. Like I fully know I could list every it's like who is she, what does she do, what's her specifics. I know all her functions and how it all works, you know, and, and so I know how I can you know, fit into that and, and what she used to call poke the bear when she's in a certain attitude. I know what attitude I need to be in to manage the environment. And, and, and so now over 10 years, I, I would say like we finally have slid into the best time of our marriage, you know, is, is now. Um, and it's, again, never perfect, but the big explosive aspect of our life is no longer there um, just through the pursuit and consistent of, of relationship building and growing. Surrendering to that partnership of your, with your spouse is big because instead of always having to be the alpha or I'm right or I'm the dominant or, you know, I'm in front, you do what I say, it's important to have that team. Absolutely. Like when you find the right person and you learn how to navigate through their world with them and vice versa, 
and communicate them with them and what makes them tick. Because nine times out of ten, it's not going to be anywhere near what you think it is. Not at all. And I found that out with my wife, be, doing the love languages and different therapies and different work that we've done individually and together and, and, and just communicate. Like, we communicate about things that I've, I've never heard anybody communicate about. And it's and it's amazing. Sometimes it gets really heavy, but um, she's my best friend. Mm-hmm. And she's my partner. And, like, once you find that person and you can build your quote-unquote empire with, I mean, you're unstoppable. It's nothing can break you mm-hmm. and that, that marriage, that union becomes, uh, impenetrable. Like mm-hmm. it, it, nothing's going to get in there at your weakest time. The other one's going to be strong and vice versa. She's not going to let you just spiral down and she's like, I'm going to go do my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of not leaving each other behind, mm-hmm. but going through all those trials and going through, cause my wife watched me go through self-employment and a ton of self-development but the self-employment was god it was awful the the phrase that i cannot stand is it must be nice because it's like dude you have no idea Mm -hmm. it is so hard to i mean everybody has their own journey Mm -hmm. um like guys might look at you and be like it must be nice to have that many members or this what you have it's like yeah but you didn't see all the all the trials and tribulations, all the, all the fire you had to walk through to get there. And, and, and in any strong marriage, you have to do that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as we age, you know, the respect for the individual and we start to get a bigger, this is only if you get awareness, you know, your respect for the other individual, the other entrepreneur, the married man, like it's, it's, it's a level of respect and honor and, and the more and more as I age, I start to get like this life is hard. This is tough. It's not easy. And, and like it start, me and my buddies get together one a, once a year from high school. We'll get together one time a weekend a year. And we just started. It really hit me on another this January. We're out at my parents' ranch. And we we're talking about people that, A, were no longer alive, that we went to high school with, that are in the pen or, uh, you know, messed up on drugs, all, you know, all sorts of things. And it just dawned on me. Sometimes I'm a, you know, a optimist and pretty positive. And I was like, oh, I just thought everybody made it, <laughs> you know, everybody just makes it, you know? And sure. you're like, it's like, boom, post high school. It's like all sorts of stuff. People, you know, pass away in a car accident. Just had another one uh, person. I went to a different high school than me, but had a brain hemorrhage and, and she passed away. Had kids. It's like, man, this is, this is still like, you know, this is not an easy race that everybody's going to win. Um, so I think that brings you to be humble and, and respect uh, if you're willing, you know, to go that route, if you're willing to listen. Because I know there's probably a lot of people that have gone through what I went through and they turn it in and, and that's the end of their journey. And they figure out how to work a job and, and they just get through. And, and, and. And that takes a certain level of, of uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, you gotta, you gotta just swallow that pill and do it. Yeah. You know, I've, I, there's been times when I'm like, man, I wish I could just get a paycheck every week, and then <laughs> you know, like just show up and go to work and then leave it there. There's, yeah. I, I'm just not wired for that. Absolutely. It's just not gonna happen. I mean, here it is. What's today? Friday. Yes, sir. And it's eleven o'clock in the morning, and I mean, this is what we're doing. I mean, there's a certain freedom to that. But then also at about midnight tonight, I might be sitting up thinking about something that I need to do on Monday or, you know, editing and working on my other company. I mean, it's just, it's a give and take. Absolutely. I mean, that's like, and that's where I go back to when you find your, your core of your identity and who you are. And, and what happened to me is, is that internally, like I'm sound, no matter the winds, the, the, um, where they're blowing or what lawsuit you're dealing with or what, you know, potential failures coming when you know who you are, those can't take away your firmness. And, and I'm only starting to feel that and feel my grounding to say, wow, this is, this is a whole nother level that these outward impact. It's like, yes, this is coming and there will be more. Um, and, and I'm getting that level when I, 
talk about gym and the glass ceiling. It's like I couldn't get past that. And now that I'm getting real with myself and firmly standing on who I am, um, I see what's next. I can see that next level. And being blown by the winds of whatever's coming at you, uh, you won't make it if you can't stand firm. People can't follow you. And that's one thing that I would chalk up like for me and my success that I've reached to this point in life is, is the fundamental understanding of leadership, integrity, and character. I do a mastermind group with um, Spencer Nix and Charlie Lima, CrossFit Dallas Central and uh, College Station CrossFit guys. They're both 10-year affiliates. We meet once a quarter. It's another part of men getting together. And um, they fundamentally both express that, that what is the biggest need in CrossFit right now as a community for box owners is leadership. And, and for me, leadership is a natural skill that I've also developed is, is we have to be able to lead ourselves and lead the people around us. And I think that's so important for men to say and look in the mirror and go, what kind of leader can I lead myself? And can I lead the people around me? And that's when I created my daily dozen, the 12 things I need to accomplish every single day. And if you're on this call, guys, very simple. Write a piece of paper, write down 12, thing, write down 12 numbers, and list out the 12 things. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, shave your face, make your bed, eat your food, do your workout, and then whatever else plays into what you need to do to feel success. And if you check that list off that day, you succeed, you're leading yourself. Then how can I lead others? And if you don't know... Like John C. Maxwell is a phenomenal author that can help with leadership skills. Like you need to read and learn. You need to be mentored by other leaders. And I look at CrossFit and say like, yeah, box owners need to become better leaders with their space. You can get all the mechanics, how to run, charge your members. You can learn how to, you know, run a class, run the front of the room. But can you teach it? Can you lead? You know, and I think that's where society as a whole, we need men to stand up. And there's tons of women leaders. I feel like women are leading. Men need to stand up and be leaders and in our own lives and the people that we're in front of, you know. And to do it unapologetically, to not water themselves down. Yep. So um, where do you see yourself in the next five years? You know, that's a great question. I, that was a, came up with uh, talking to Charlie and, and Spencer and I just – I used to be like very crisp and clear that I could give you exact. And what I've, I've done this 180 because some of my core words like in my values is present, mm -hmm. detailed, planned, and organized. Okay? So I'm present to you. I'm planned, organized, and detailed. Organized, planned, and detailed. I'm very specific on what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do it in excellence, and I am going to surrender and be present to the opportunity that comes. That recipe for me brings peace in knowing that God, I believe, will add to me what he sees to bless me with. And so in five years, uh, I do believe that leading people to a fruitful life in some of the five, like, core fundamentals I was speaking about. Um, so it's like some of my current projects, uh, we are, we, we are fundamentally have a facility that we operate out of. We're going to be launching a virtual gym opportunity for people to train with us. That's called liftoff. We'll be launching that in 2020. My wife has already launched liftoff nutrition where she does remote coaching on nutrition on uh, right now we have 80 clients. We've only been in business for eight weeks with that venture and it's growing. She's getting ridiculous results. We're going to launch a virtual training platform for that. Uh, I, it's top secret right now, but I'm working on a new platform for, um, functional fitness competitions. Um, uh, you're going to, by the time this is posted, you're going to see some changes that are coming that are going to be pretty, I believe pretty shifting the marketplace in competition on a micro level, nothing massive, nothing to compete with the CrossFit games, but something to bring value to box owners and, uh, to showcase, uh, functional fitness as a sport. Uh, 
So like, why, why, what is that going to become? I don't know, but I know with the, what I see in my mind, if I do that due diligently with all of the years of experience I have in the past, um, in five years where I'll be is adding value to human beings lives from a physical, emotional, spiritual to a cellular level, bringing value to them. And if I can do that in excellence and be a leader in my own right, doing that, that that's, I'll be very happy, uh, in that position. Fantastic, man. Where, uh, where can find guys find you? Where would you like to direct people that want to learn more about you and what you've talked about today? So, you know, uh, my Instagram handle is T H I E L at T H I E L Jeremy. So it's my name backwards till Jeremy, um, is the simplest, mo at, most active social platform I'm on. And then my Facebook is Jeremy Till. Uh, and then um, CrossFit Central is my brand. Um, Liftoff is going to be my next thing. Uh, Liftoff, what, what it's called is Liftoff Body. And Liftoff will have Liftoff Nutrition, Liftoff Training, and a multitude of Liftoffs. Uh, there'll also be a uh, Liftoff Mindset. Mm -hmm. This is all f future facing that will be coming out. Um, it's stuff I'm excited about um, so I can engage a larger audience. I'll be working with that with my sister, um, Carrie as well, who brings a whole feminine side to this scope. My wife's running our nutrition. Uh, Nicole Hughes, my marketing director, is going to be a part of that. So um, anyways, I expanded big on that. But just look out for liftoff uh, and what that's going to mean for people um, probably in the next coming years. Fantastic. Man, I want to thank you for taking the time to come up here and uh – interview with me and share your story i really appreciate that you're somebody i, I respect and I, I i appreciate what you've done for the community and what you continue to do for others and and thank you so much for sharing yeah man it felt like we could probably go on for another couple hours so this was is awesome when you, you can talk this easily so i appreciate you having me man well we can definitely do it again in the future absolutely well this is ryan with the circle of dads thank you so much for tuning in um you do not have to be perfect but you do have to be present love runs downhill we chase those kids until the day we die.